I need a horse. We don't have horses, just dogs, cats, birds. And give me one of those large enough to ride. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. Welcome back to Into the Superverse. What are we discussing on this fine Tuesday evening, Maul? We're discussing Son of Odin, God of Thunder. Could it be? Mr. Thor. Oh my goodness. Oh my god, in the words of Jane Foster. Yeah, uh, we are trotting right along in our coverage of phase one of the MCU. And we have finally arrived at the glory that is Chris Hemsworth's dyed eyebrows. Um, what was that? Chris Hemsworth and his dyed eyebrows. Because they dyed his eyebrows. And Kevin Feige has joked that that is one of the few regrets that he has about the MCU. I didn't even notice. It's not... Like, necessarily something that you would pick up on until you see, like, a side-by-side. They, like, bleached them? Yeah. And I think they dyed his beard hair, too. That did He's got to go full blonde. Because I think it was inconsistent, the beard. I guess they're just, like, really trained to hone in on the difference between him and Loki. They're like, he has to be, like, super blonde since, like, Tom Hiddleston's... The brightest blonde hair, the brightest blue eyes. Yeah. They went all in for sure. Well, this is a fun little romp. I always, earlier today, I was like, I am not super excited to watch this because to me it's always like Thor in uh, Phase 1 and Thor the Dark World are always like a bit of like, oh, okay, like I just want to get to Thor Ragnarok. Like his character is more fun. But Thor the Dark World, I might stand by that. But this one, I, I do always forget how much I enjoy it. I've been on the record saying how much I enjoy Thor. Yes. Much to the chagrin of the Marvel community. Well, as long as you're not out here going to bat for the dark world. I'm not going to bat, but I'm also not going to trash it. I'm more likely to trash Doctor Strange. (laughs) Yeah, that might get you in more hot water. Well. I'm here for the hot takes. Steaming hot, like your tea. Yeah. Well. Number one hot take. Don't love Odin. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Odin's a dick in this movie, but Anthony Hopkins plays him well, that's for sure. Uh, we'll get to that, though. Yeah, so let's jump in. Uh, we are introduced, first and foremost, to Jane Foster and her ragtag crew of scientists, physicists, researchers, what what and may have you. Darcy. And Darcy. Does she have a last name? We don't know. She doesn't need one. She's a one-name woman. Like Beyonce or Cher or Madonna. Proof that you can just just reinvent yourself as a one-named person, whatever you want. I mean, she literally does reinvent herself for WandaVision. Yes. And it's great. Yeah. Actually, she doesn't. Like, I know we're like, she's so different in WandaVision, but she's like a beautiful maturation of like who she is in this movie. Yep. I think she's more annoying than Thor 2, speaking of annoying things in Thor 2. But I thought she was very inoffensive in this movie. And oh, I yeah. feel like you and other people have always like said how annoying she is. Yeah, it's I feel like it's just become like a joke at this point and like not even tethered to what's actually in the movies. But no, I think she's pretty funny in this one. 
I think it was more like not necessarily not for me, but people that didn't like that this movie was so earthbound might have just been like rolling their eyes whenever something, you know, any of those joke lines popped up. I also think of this movie taking almost entirely on Earth, but it's, like, not. There's, like, a lot happening in Asgard. It's pretty well split, yeah. And I forgot how much they go back and forth during, like, the Earth part. Like, they're always checking back in. And I tend to forget that it ends back in Asgard, like, with the Loki thing. Like, I think of the climax being the fight against the Destroyer, in the desert, which it kind of is, but then they they pop back in and. Well, I remember him doing the Bifrost thing. Yeah, but um, can we just? I just want to pull back a little bit before we get started. Thor, son of Odin, also known as Odinson, is his last name. Odinson. Odinson. One word: O D I N S O N. Or is it Thor? Odin's son. son. Well, it's both. It's both. It's like it's like modern English names, like our our good friend whose last name is Schumacher. You know, it was very literal when it was first given, presumably Shoemaker, because you're la- you're a shoemaker. Your last name is Shoemaker, and over time it becomes Schumacher. So for this one, it is you are Thor Odin's son. You are Thor Odinson. Phil. Son of Cole. Phil Dunphy. I'm yes. done. I'm Dunphy with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it it's pulling double duty. And the Son of Cole thing is just just great. I this was probably the first time I caught that. Really? Oh. Because I was very I had written a note already about the whole last name business, mm-hmm. and then that was at the like towards the end. It was very funny. Um anyway, so I just need to clear that up. Um <laughs> But I did have a question. I have a lot of questions for you about this movie and how it plays in the okay. in the whole world. I'm game. Starting with Jane. And they're like tracking whatever they're tracking. And they're like, there's been 17 occurrences. And like they're ready for like whatever happens. And then like Thor lands there. But what are they tracking before they literally run into Thor? And does it connect with everything else that's been happening? Like, what are these 17 occurrences? Uh, It's a good question. I mean, yeah, I guess they never really say. Given their line of work, I would assume that they're tracking, like, some sort of atmospheric or dimensional disturbances. It's solar something. Yeah, I mean, I don't know Because they're tracking planetary movements. Or stars or whatever. I mean, could it be, like, a Thanos thing? Like, are they, you know, thinking that this is going to connect, or it's just, like, a coincidence? I think it's just a coincidence. I don't think when they were writing their plot, they were they were thinking any further in the future. But I feel like it has to here. have something to do with Thor, because she's, like, on to something with the whole bridge thing. And, like, the whole nine rounds, like, she's, like, already starting on that, and then he, like, basically explains it, but I just feel like whatever she's working on, like, somehow connects. Let's see what the Marvel Cinematic Universe dot fandom dot wiki page has to say. Uh, yes, she began studying a mysterious weather event that she believed was linked to an Einstein-Rosen bridge which is, in layman's terms, known as a wormhole. 
So she had theories about wormholes. And the uh, the source of all of this energy was emanating from New Mexico for some reason. Do you think that she was tracking like the Bifrost doing stuff? I think so. And I don't know why it would have been popping up previously to this movie in that area. I don't know if that's a plot hole. I would love for someone to clear this up for us, but... I thought that was going to be you today, but... I There's only so much information We're in the movie, and of course the, they never really revisit it again. We're happy for the internet to shed light. I have a quick note based on the way that they're going around driving their little van like into the eye of the storm, and... Dr. Selvig is like, we're not storm chasers. Gave me a fun little side thought. In a universe where there are superheroes everywhere flying around, causing mischief or trying to stop super villainy, do you think there are like storm chasers, but for superheroes? Like people that are like adrenaline junkies that are like trying to get as close to the fight as possible? Like you're like, all right. Like, Iron Man's fighting somebody over here. We're going to go in on the ground and get really close footage. It's like chasing a tornado. I think so, but at this point... Maybe not. Iron Man just not. I don't mean, like, at this point in the universe. I mean, like, now. Like, post, like, Avengers. Like, everyone's, you know, there's multiple superheroes, presumably, doing things all around the globe. Um. Yeah, I feel like... Or, like, you mean, like, journalists trying to get... Yeah, but like, like I mean more like, like actual storm chasers, like not necessarily like you can be a meteorologist and not be chasing a tornado. You could report on it, but not be there. It's like, they just want to be like in it. I feel like that type of person would definitely exist. I feel like they kind of just join up like Clint. Well, that too. (laughs) And, um, our new character from Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Torres. Yeah. Oh, a little bit, but um, I don't, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there is, but. I just think that's a fun idea. I feel like they're low-key just like stalkers too because they're like also famous. It's not just that they're superheroes. A little bit of paparazzi action too. Okay, so I have so many notes about low-key. Starts low, off. Low-key, low-key, low-key. He's low-key the worst. High-key. Um, so he, what are his real motives in the beginning here? He genuinely thinks that Thor is going to be a bad king. He's just bitter because he doesn't like how much attention Thor is getting. He really wants to fuck up their own world. Like what is going on? He just wants to stop this little ceremony. Like, is it just like, God of mischief, I'm causing mischief. Huh. Well. Because I, I know at the end he has his little monologue. So you just mean like before all of the betrayal of the Frost Giants stuff, like just what spurs this to well, start? Well, he brings in the original Frost Giants. Yes. To stop the coronation, essentially. Yeah. Um, But he's fronting to Thor like, we so cool, bro. You know, I think it starts off as like a very petty, like, oh, my brother gets all the attention. I'm going to mess up his big day, like you said. 
And then I think when he sees how he responds to it, it evolves into like a proper, you are not going to be a good king. And since you're not going to be a good king, I might as well try and get the job. I do think that, and I think he'd be warranted to think that he's a bad candidate for the job. Oh, totally. Even before his reaction to the... Yeah, I mean, he's just like so... He's like showboating everywhere. He's he's all... Yeah, he's too rash. He's everything that Odin is not. But then he's just like so manipulative. And I have this note later, like... I feel like Thor is genuinely so kind to Loki. Like, never shows him ill will at any point. And that's why I'm kind of confused on where Loki's coming... Like, where all this ire towards... Thor is coming from. Well, if you look at it from Loki's perspective, like Thor from what, yeah, what we see in this movie, Thor is never like outwardly mean to Loki, but it's also like Thor must know like that he's like better quote unquote. He's, he, yeah. He's like the favored son. He's the heir. He's going to be king. He's the one that's getting all the attention. So even if he's not being mean to Loki, there's still going to be resentment there. And presumably Thor has never approached Loki to talk about it. I feel like him just treating him the way he does is like addressing it. It's like, I'm not going to cast you aside. Like he's in the crew, you know? Yeah. But it's also Loki. I like know. he probably just like is able to twist all of that in his head to fit whatever narrative he wants. I just know that everyone really likes Loki, and I like Loki too. I just feel like it would be, I would feel better about rooting for him if like his main betrayal stuff happened after it's like revealed that his dad like kidnapped him as a baby and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, because like fair. I have a couple notes about this. Like everybody loves Loki now because he's been through so much, but like, yeah, he was like an asshole. He's just like a straight up villain. Yeah, uh, that's not, what I kind of and that's came like that's to. what he was, and that's they they needed to set him up like that for Avengers. You know, he wasn't supposed to be like a sympathetic antihero at this point, and then he got the chance to redeem himself, and of course now, in the show that he's getting, he's not going to have any of that character development. He's coming fresh off of getting Avengers. his ass handed to him in Avengers, so that's the saddest part. But I'm wondering. As they are like going through all this time stuff, he's gonna like catch up because I really love the evolved Loki. I think he will. I think he's gonna like. I also think it's more interesting because like, we got to see the whole totally. Trajectory. And I think TV show Loki, alternate universe Loki, whatever you want to call him, is going to see his fate in the main timeline, and that will probably dictate his behavior. Because or it'll be, like, even a whole new version of Loki. I just don't want same, like, Avenger, post-Avengers Loki. Even based on what I've seen in the trailers, you know, I don't... And they know. It would be silly to go back on to the ca- version of the character from ten years ago. Even if it is... I don't even think Tom Hilson could do that. <laughs> I mean, like, what headspace? Yeah. Like, thematically, would it make sense? Yes. But, like, in order for this show to be entertaining, they know what people want. <laughs> with Loki now. I think that there's really high expectations, but I also think it would be hard to mess up. Yeah, agreed. Like, 
they'd have to really do damage to and it, part of it is because Tom Hiddleston is so good at it that like he can kind of make whatever work even if like the writing's not great but I have I mean based on the other shows like I don't doubt the writing but I just mean like I think high expectations will be met basically totally I agree um, and it'll be interesting to see how they reconcile all the different versions of Loki that we've seen so far. I had something else about that too. Yeah, I have more stuff, but I want to hear more from you. Um, of course, this movie has the reveal of Loki being born of the frost giants, and that's a big thing for him. Um, I wonder if, you know, we haven't had any callbacks to that I since know. this movie. It, it never gets mentioned again. Maybe in the second one. It's been a minute. I forget. But... That would be an interesting thing to touch on in the TV show, too. Because he does the thing where he, like, changes his look into a frost giant a couple times. Uh, that never happens again. They, they were, like, you know, they basically left it behind. But so far, these shows have been used to tie up some loose ends that most people thought had been left in the past. I don't know the nature in which they could use that device in the show but it would be interesting to see them acknowledge it again yeah i don't know how loki is existing as he is like he looks like an asgardian like i guess that's just odin's magic on him i think so because the only time he turns blue or whatever is when he touches that frost thing or when he is touched by someone and he does it himself when he's talking to odin but i think that's just like an illusion it's that's not him like revealing his true self i thought that's when he was touching the thing Mm. oh you might be right yeah like when they're down when they're having their argument yeah okay yeah i think you're right i think but i mean same either way like he yeah you're like, how... Is that just Odin's magic, you think? I think so. I think he put, like, a, a permanent spell on him, basically. Is Odin a fucking savage for stealing the king's baby? Or was... What Odin was trying to say is that, like, Loki was kind of like a runt. And so, like, Lofi or Luffy had discarded him. Uh, that's a good question. La- uh, Luffy? I don't remember what his name is. Luffy. 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 Uh, because I, I yeah I think more of this needs to be addressed <laughs> I have a lot more questions <laughs> I hope they touch on it yes yeah. he was small and weak for a frost giant and Odin adopted him using sorcery to alter his appearance to make him appear to be an Asgardian I guess that is actually he's, kind he's of... He's the Jon Snow of the MCU. Yeah. I mean, it is, like, kind of, kind of Odin, but, like, he does have ulterior motives, and Loki right away is like, what were your ulterior motives? Right. He's not stupid. Neither of them are. And the other thing about, like, Loki being so manipulative, I love that Heimdall does not buy into it for one second. He's the, the he's most, the like... Best. Yeah. He's so good, and... I mean, I like him in this, but it's still, they could have done so much more with Idris Elba. In they do. Movies. They do end up doing more He still him. never gets his... He I never think gets Thor Ragnarok, he's like the I still, star... I still wanted more. I'm just saying. And they have, they have Thor call him his best friend in Infinity War, and that was not earned. 
Correct. They're like workplace colleagues in this movie, and it pretty much stays at that level. Oh, I kind of want to believe want, that they, they build ha- that relationship. They show us hanging out and drinking and stuff. You know, I just want to always more. working. And it's also just like Heimdall's <laughs> like personality. It's just like constant stoicism, except for in Thor Ragnarok, he loosens up a little bit. In this one, he does too a little. A little bit. I still think like he's they, like, they scooped up treachery, and they're like, yeah. He's like, okay. Great. Like, they scooped up Idris Elba, like, early, basically. And I think if they had uh, gotten him for a role later, they would have given him something with a bit more visibility. More of a main character type. But still a fun addition to the cast. Idris Elba's second best role. What's first best? The Wire. Yeah. Obviously. Haven't seen Luther. I don't even know if that's supposed to be that good. Don't need to. I just know. Uh, So, speaking of supporting cast... We have the Warriors 3 and Lady Sif. Uh, While these characters go on to be criminally mistreated by the rest of the movies, they are a great squad to have around in this one. Yeah. Like, they really get a chance to shine by their their little moments when Thor has been banished and they're like, we're going to go on this mission. They could fight, they can party, you know... They're they can, loyal. They can eat. Yeah. Some of them. Just a, just a good gang. And, uh, you know, I obviously love the direction that the new Thor movies are taking, but it was just obvious that there was not really room for them in it. But I still don't think Taika Waititi needed to kill all of them. Lady Sif was the only one that got away unscathed because the actress was busy and couldn't shoot Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> And she's coming back for Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, well, there you go. And I had mentioned during the movie, too, that uh, Fandral, I think, was the name. Uh, he was recast for Thor 2 and Thor Ragnarok as Zachary Levi, and then promptly killed 15 minutes into Thor Ragnarok, and then popped up in Shazam two years later. So I'm glad he got something because he really got screwed over with that part yeah i mean honestly their roles after this is so unmemorable like i'm not even really remembering all of it they literally i don't think they have lines in thor ragnarok hella shows up in asgard and promptly kills them all it's pretty rough and it's very unceremonious thor's not even there to see it they're a little they're like probably the most cartoony part of the movie though (sighs) Oh, definitely. I mean, like, when they show up in New Mexico, they have their faces pressed against the window, and it does, you know, they love their Dutch angles in this movie. What does that mean? It's like every other shot is if we're sitting at this table, and the camera is on a slight tilt. There's so many shots like that in this movie. Just like director's choice? Yeah, I, I have a feeling that... Kenneth Branagh, Branagh, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, found out about these... Lockhart? Yes, Gilderoy Lockhart found out about Dutch Angles like a month before shooting started and was like, I know what I want to do with this. One thing I noted that I like that they do in terms of directing style is they have like kind of a coloring or filter over whenever they're in Asgard it's kind of got that like goldish tint to it and then when they're in New Mexico it's just like kind of normal 
And I like that kind of distinction. It's very like flat in Earth. Like it's like they were shooting on overcast days. Oh, uh, no. I would say the opposite. It's like bright in New Mexico. Oh. Like there, it's just like blue skies. They're like in New Mexico. And then like when they're in at um, Asgard, it's kind of got this like gold, like literally like, an, like, like gold tinted glasses on it. Yeah. yeah. I That was my it is yeah now looking back on it now it is it's like not in your face when they're in asgard but it's just enough to like yeah let you know reminder we're not hanging out in a i just forgot the name of the town we're not hanging out in new mexico anymore let's see i'm still trying to dial back a little bit because we're bouncing around all over the place but that's fine uh a fun callback is that when Odin is having his little history lesson in the beginning of the movie, being recounted to young Thor and Loki, uh, they mention Tonsberg, Norway, which was like the site of the invasion by the frost giants, I think. That was what was going on there, right? And the Asgardians had to come help. And as we have seen in Avengers Endgame, that is where New, New Asgard, Asgard is, is, which is oh, just so I fun. I didn't notice that at all. But I was like, are we in? like earth right now yeah. at one point and i also think and i have to fact check myself as i say this i think that is where the tesseract is found by red skull in captain america well we will fact that check that in the next film oh my god molly can't wait neither can i that would make sense though yeah I i'm checking myself real quick because I think I asked you that once, like, how did this end up on Earth? Yep, that's where it is. I remember in the comics, I don't remember which run this was or when it happened, but Asgard had been destroyed or needed to be moved from space for some reason or another. And it's so cartoony. They brought the entirety of the physical place of Asgard and had it, like, floating over a cornfield in Kansas and there are shots of it, like, well, drawings in the comics of just, like, this giant kingdom floating two feet above a cornfield. And they put, like, a fence around it. Love that for them. <laughs> so this is a bit more majestic. I met Thor getting punished by Daddy. What fanfic is this? This is what happened. Yes. This is canon. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins was like full he is in full disciplinary dad mode and he does a pretty good job of it because i think this is like the most intimidating odin is in any of these movies is when thor is being the prime little shit son oh yeah thor is fully the worst and i do like i was you know got my hot takes on odin but like i think that he definitely makes the right call here like Thor oh needed to be punished. God. Can you imagine the Thor at the beginning of this movie as king and like how he would handle every interaction? Like he needed this humbling so bad. More like, can you imagine this version of Thor in the rest of the MCU? Because that would be insufferable. Ugh. He's already a little insufferable in like Avengers? the other movies. Like yeah. Thor is not my favorite character by a long shot. But I like what he brings to the, like, he mixes it up, you know? He does mix it up. 
But yeah, no, he he desperately needed to be taken down a peg. And he got taken down several pegs. Do you think when uh, I kind of had a thought, you know, he banishes Thor and then throws the hammer. What if the hammer like didn't go to the right place? <laughs> well, I feel like it didn't really matter where the hammer ended up because he, he would have found it. Yeah, yeah. Or the hammer would have found him when he was ready. Agreed. Um, he just wouldn't have gotten to like try it. He wouldn't yeah. have known. Well, actually, I have to jump back for one second. <laughs> Um, when they do go to, what's the, uh, the world called? The ice world? Jotunheim. Jotunheim. Um, like Loki goes with them and is like fighting with them. And I love that. I love that scene that Loki is like, also can be a warrior. Like I would never really describe him like that, but he's like using his tricks, but he's also like, you know, doing his thing like alongside of them. And this is like the only time we really get to see Loki part of a basically an army where he's on like one side pretty much the whole time. Yeah. I mean, the closest analog would be in Avengers when he's fighting alongside the Chitauri, but he's not really doing fighting. He's just cruising around with them. I had a similar thought. And he's like leading them. Right. Because it looks like in the TV show, we will get a look at him fighting physically. I think it's in the trailers. He's like fist fighting. I think there's a shot of him also using his magic to fight which is not something that we see very often. He yeah. usually just like tricks people with it and then stabs them. Yeah. Um, yeah, so now I'm on Earth and the hammer's there, they're there. Hammer's there. The whole gang's there. Uh, the tailgating. The tailgating is so funny to me because that's like the most accurate thing about this movie. If really there's some is. like just foreign object that crashes to Earth, it's like we're just going to throw caution to the wind and we're going to have our fun with it, like King Arthur's sword, until the government gets there and tells us to stop. Also, everyone's, like, calling it a satellite. It clearly looks like a hammer. Yeah, what the hell is that all about? (laughs) I know it was, like, that seemed like it was already part of, like, the shield cover-up to call it a satellite. But they're there. They're picking it up. They know (laughs) what kind of satellite is this. Uh, Yeah, that is, like, they're just having a great time. At they're the, grilling, they're drinking. I would have been the there. Crater. Yeah, why not? Um, and just like a general note for me, this is just a personal note. Give me a fish out of water story any day, and I'm here for it. I have that. That's my next note right here in my handy dandy notes app. Chris Hemsworth just does the bit so well. And I remember when we saw this, there were a couple things that we would just like quote all the time, my buddies and I. It's just always like the, uh, Give me my, my form grows weak. I require sustenance. <laughs> and like, this is a delicious drink. Another! Of course, we never actually smashed the coffee mugs on the ground, but next best thing. Yeah, and I think they must have realized like pretty soon after this that like this guy's got some good comedic chops. Right, and I didn't realize, and you said this during the movie, he's really young and like hasn't been in anything really. At this point, because I actually had lucked out of neighbors in Australia. I had a couple articles pulled up about it. Um, yes, he was in neighbors, and two years before this, he was in J.J. Abrams' Star Trek in one scene oh. as Kirk's father. He's in the opening oh, scene. I thought that was after. No, I know. I did know that. Yeah, that was before, and I think that I even alike. saw like an article being like from Chris Hemsworth where he said. I got this job early on in Hollywood doing Star Trek, 
and that was great. But that was like it. Like, he got that job, and then he didn't get another role, or at least a major role, until Thor. It was a really sad scene. Because well, he he dies right. In yes. That, yeah. Spoiler alert. I mean, it is eleven years old, but fair. Twelve uh, years old. Yeah, and like his wife is going into labor, and like he hears him cry right when he dies. Rough. Well, he must have crushed that bit part. He did, and well, he kind of looks like Chris Pine. So here's an article from Vulture uh, in 2009, titled "Marvel Rolls Dice." Casts no names for Thor. Despite rumors that had everyone from Shia LaBeouf to Josh Hartnett being cast in Kenneth Branagh's version of Thor, two virtual unknowns will instead be handed the keys to the Marvel franchise. Australian actor Chris Hemsworth, whom you might recall from the opening scene of Star Trek, will play the Norse superhero. And Tom Hiddleston has been cast as his nemesis, Loki. Let's hope they follow the J.J. Abrams route and put the money they saved in casting straight to special effects. (laughs) You can't say for certain that's what happened. The special effects were not, not just quite okay. holding up. But I still, this is so funny because it, I have trouble finding articles like discussing early Marvel stuff just because the like any film news site is so inundated with it. But it's so funny to see that perspective given where we're at now, just having propelled them both to superstardom. Tom Hiddleston looks really young in this movie. Yeah. And I mean, he was... He was older, I think. Yeah, 30, it looks like. He was born in 1981. Yeah. Yeah, so he was 30. Chris Hemsworth was 27. Uh, Both of your friendly podcast hosts over here are 27, so having a little bit of a mental crisis right now. Thanks, Chris. Uh, they're only two years apart, him and Tom Hiddleston. Okay, Tom Hiddleston definitely I has. I also like kind a... of forget how much time has passed since like this movie yeah. has come out. Yeah, they've been playing these characters for ten years. Pretty wild. And we'll still be doing this podcast in ten years. No doubt. <laughs> I mean, I'm just happy that they're both still around. They have both. Well, Tom Hiddleston has never given any indication that he is tired of playing Loki. Uh, But Chris Hemsworth definitely was uh, rejuvenated with Thor Ragnarok because he was open about being bored of the character um, after Avengers 2 came out. Yeah, I know he was like uh, kind of done with it, but now he seems... Yeah, I think about it. If they hadn't done Thor Ragnarok, he would have been the one, one of the ones kind of quote unquote retiring after Endgame. But I'm glad we're getting more of him. Yeah, and we're keeping some people. Like I think that would have been a lot to get rid of, like everyone. Yeah. Okay, back, back to the film. I know we already kind of talked about like Loki finding out about um, what happened. And him feeling, like, betrayed, like, that is so sad. But then that's where my note was, like, but he was, like, already low-key a bad dude. Like, and, like, this watershed moment should have been what, like, triggered it. But, like, he was already, like, going down a bad path, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think it was just more of a reason for him to act on these, like, 
villainous impulses that he always had. Now there was like a bit more of a fire underneath him. But he's also like, even to the very end of this movie, like trying to prove something to Odin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's like furious at him, but also is like, well, like you've, he thinks he's been deeply ashamed of him his whole life. So he's like, I'm going to give you a reason to like actually, I don't know. He's convinced himself that he is like the, the bad son just yeah. because he's not as guardian. Well, and I guess like that's really his primary motive is to be like, not just, he says he wants to be equal to Thor, but he doesn't. He really wants to be out above him in Odin's eyes. Yeah. No, that's equal would not be enough. And on, like, just talking about how much of an asshole Loki is in this one, it is so messed up of him to just straight up lie to Thor about Odin being dead. That's and like, that his mom doesn't want him back. That's, like, so... It's extra cruel. And, yes, I also... It's, like, cruel. And I'm like, and for why? Thor is so nice to Loki. And even his reaction, like, how does Loki not feel bad at all that Thor's reaction is like, you're right, I'm so sorry for, like... I'm so sorry to you that you have to, like, kind of deal with me as a brother. Like, I like I think Thor is abhorrent in this, in the beginning, but he doesn't deserve this from Loki of all people. No way, no way. And I don't think we're supposed to think he does either. I mean, Loki's just a narcissist. Like, he's not, I don't think he had a, a twinge of regret about doing that. What is this Odin sleep thing? And like, how often does he just, he's sometimes like, I just need a timeout. I think it's just, I mean, presumably once every hundred something years, you know, cause they've, I always forget that they don't age like normal. So the gap between now and like the flashbacks of their childhood is like hundreds of years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it was just poor timing. <laughs> But They're like normally we're prepared. I do think it just happens, but he was probably had not been in a uh, such a stressful situation in about two hundred years. So, um, I want to talk about on the Earth side of things. There's a large shield presence in this movie. You could say so. Um, and like that was built up from Iron Man two. With like Coulson was heavily in Iron Man too, and Fury was there and stuff, and of course like Black Widow was there, but now we like we see more of like the organization's infrastructure, yeah. So not only is Coulson in full G-Man mode, which we will discuss more because he's he's a real twat. Well, in that's this movie. I was gonna be like hot take. Phil's the worst in this. Yeah, as no, well. Phil's Phil's an asshole in this movie, but. Uh, we get our first appearance of Jasper Sitwell. That's the Hydra guy. Mm-hmm. And looking on his Wikipedia page, I forgot that they actually did a plot on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because he's in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. frequently. And they have a plot about the Hydra plants in S.H.I.E.L.D. being like in the Hydra Academy. And they had a like young Sitwell... And he has, like, hair and stuff. And oh he's, like, boy. a dweeb. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just, I couldn't have told, like, I couldn't have told you where he first popped up in these movies. And he doesn't really have much to do. He's just there. But he is, like, prominently, like, in those shots. Yeah. And has, like, lines and stuff. And he doesn't show up again in the movies until Winter Soldier. Um, so I guess they were, like, kind of... You know, I wonder if they even planned that or if he was just going to be a random bit person. But it kind of felt like they were like, 
remember who this person is. So you have a familiar face for S.H.I.E.L.D. that's not Coulson. Uh, and, of course, we get our introduction to Hawkeye. Yeah. Well. I thought this was the movie, but I guess that's in Avengers, where they're like, where is he? Like, in his nest. I thought that was in this movie. That's in the very beginning of Avengers. Yeah. Okay, so the other thing I wanted to talk about with the whole S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff is Eric. And what Eric knows already about S.H.I.E.L.D., who he's referring to. He talks about, like, a gamma scientist. I think we talk, we know he's talking about Bruce Banner or he's talking about the other guy in Hulk. Um, and then he's like, I've got, a, I've got somebody I can contact about all of this. And what can you explain to me about all of that? So one of them is Oz, Dr. Banner. Uh, that's... Confirmed, basically. Who else is a specialist in gamma radiation? Right, but didn't you mention that when we were watching Incredible Hulk? Like, because Edward Norton is, like, emailing a couple people, and is one of them supposed to be Eric? I thought... I don't think I... Because I know, like, there's the whole Mr. Green thing or whatever. I don't think so. I swore you have mentioned this before, but I could just be misremembering. Me too. But either way, so yeah, what I'm seeing is Bruce Banner confirmed the original script of the movie revealed the identity of the other person to be Hank Pym. Oh. So here's the original script. Uh, Selvig. No one knows much about them, them being S.H.I.E.L.D., but I knew a scientist, a pioneer in gamma radiation. S.H.I.E.L.D. showed up and he was never heard from again. Jane. I'm not going to let them do this. I'm getting everything back. Selvig, please, let me contact one of my colleagues. Dr. Pym has had some dealings with these people. I'll email him and see if he can help. How fun. So that must have been in the original script when Ant-Man was supposed to be one of the first movies in the MCU. Really? Uh, and Edgar Wright, who did Baby Driver, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, et cetera, et cetera, was attached to direct it for years. And then I think he wasn't getting along with how Marvel wanted Kevin. everything to be in... Well, probably, yes, Kevin, but also at the time it was more of like a the creative committee that has since been disbanded. And I'm sure he didn't want to have to make it within the confines of like setting up another movie because that's not how he works. Like, I think he just wanted more creative freedom. So after Edgar Wright left, that project stalled out until uh, Peyton Reed got on board. And if it had proceeded... As originally planned, I think Simon it was Peck going would have well. Been, uh, Simon, Ant-Man. he would have been Hank Pym because I think it was supposed to be Hank Pym, not Scott Wait. Lang. Oh, um, okay. And I thought I thought you were saying like really Simon no, Peck was supposed no. to be. I was like, what? as funny as that would be, but I think Joss Whedon, I if I recall correctly, or maybe somebody else was disappointed because they really wanted. I heard it was more they really wanted Wasp to be in Avengers um, because apparently she's just like a very old school character, but they couldn't make that happen. Why not? Like, God forbid we add another woman to the cast. Well, mostly because like they couldn't get the movie made and they didn't, I, I do think they consider just like putting her in Avengers with no setup. But then again, they were also just going to have Captain Marvel show up at the end of Avengers two. And that would have been dumb and bad. I think the next Ant-Man movie should be called The Wasp with Ant-Man. That would be fun to flip the script. Unfortunately, it already has its name. And what is it? Ant-Man and the Wasp. Quantumania. Mm. 
I'm for hire. <laughs> Kevin. Kevin, get Molly on the phone. Kev. Just a, a positive note here. When they're tasked with like getting everyone out of the town, very effective evacuation of the town by the group. Yeah, great job, <laughs> Collective guys. effort. I don't know how you did it that well. The only time I think we've successfully seen an evacuation, there were no civilians harmed in the making of Thor. No. Good job. Good job, team. Guess there weren't too many people in that town. That back lot. <laughs> yeah, they were like, yeah, we're doing a small town in New Mexico. We'll just show them a back lot. And like literally zoom out and show that there's nothing else around it. <laughs> I looked up the the place where it was shot in some like movie ranch out in yep. California. That seems about I think it's right. closed. Like I, I don't think they shoot there anymore. But I also think if I read some blurb on Google Maps, right, that it's like where they shot part of Wild Wild West. The Mary Kate and Ashley movie? No, the uh, Will Smith movie. <laughs> Sorry to say. <laughs> um, I don't think that's the name of it. It's like Mary Kate and Ashley take the Wild West or something like that. <laughs> Maybe they shot there too. I don't know. Are you at the fight, the final fight on Earth? Uh, yes, I am. I have always thought from the first time I saw this movie, I was like, they could have done better than the Destroyer. I think the it Destroyer... It feels very lame in, in retrospect. So I get it. Like, we get the setup with it. Ish. It's, it's Asgard's, one of Asgard's defense mechanisms. But yeah, I mean, it's really just like an empty suit of armor and... That has I, fire. I like the noise that it makes when it shoots. I think it's a threatening noise. But... If this is supposed to be like Thor's climactic comeback, I just don't, it doesn't work for me. And I was trying to think like, if I was like doctoring the script of this movie, what would I change it to? And I think I would have it as convoluted as it would have to be for Loki to act like he's bringing the frost giants to Asgard, but actually sends them to Earth, to New Mexico, to Thor, knowing that Thor will come back, get the hammer, and kill Luffy. I actually thought, for some reason, that the ice frost giants did come to New Mexico. Like, I forgot that it was like that. Yeah. Like, that makes sense. Like, I feel like it could have easily been, like, con contrived. Especially, like, if they wanted to get revenge on Thor, specifically. Yeah. But like, I know that Loki needed his moment, and, like, there was it wouldn't have worked if he couldn't be killing the Frost Giants, like, at Odin's bedside. But the Destroyer thing is just so lame. And you were kind of, like, amping up the squad, the, what is it, the Warriors and... The Warriors 3 and Lady Sif. And Lady Sif. I think it's kind of embarrassing how much they got their asses kicked by the Destroyer thing. Yeah, they, they did not put up a good fight at all. Um, but if it had worked, so like Thor gives this impassioned speech, which I guess is enough to get the hammer back, whatever. I feel like that's also a little bit like, I think we could have done a bigger moment there. But, um, and like, so he gets punched. He, the, the destroyer starts to walk away and then like kind Backhands of- Backhands him. Yeah, like a 
cowardly like hit as if Loki was like actually that's like actually something Loki would have done like pretended to walk away and then do it and then like if that had actually worked like what a lame like Loki are you really gonna live with that like that's how you got rid of Thor I don't think like, he would have cared so cowardly <laughs> and lame again oh yeah but yeah I feel like yeah he was like gonna sacrifice himself I guess but like Okay, so he was like, just take me. That doesn't really solve anything. Like, I feel like we needed a better moment to earn back. I think that that moment is just signifying, like, all of this change that he's gone through. Because I think, like, the real moment is him being like, no, I am not ready to be king. Like, I have a lot more to learn. Like, that to me signifies, like, okay, you have learned something. By him saying he, like, doesn't want it. I agree. I guess they just couldn't make that work before he got the hammer back, so they had to do what they had to do. It right. kind of felt like they got to that point in the script and they panicked, how is he going to be worthy again? And that's what they came up with. It's Not- like a real Beauty and the Beast moment. You know, all you had to say was, I love you. Who knew? I do think that, honestly, probably the weak part of the movie, I think the fight is kind of underwhelming. It's super corny how they have shots of all of the characters like looking in astonishment and smiling as Thor gets the hammer back. And then the gall to have make Natalie Portman do a close up of her face, pan in slow and say, oh my God. How many times do you think she had to say that? They, they did like... 85 takes of that and the whole time she was like why the fuck are we doing this and like him twirling into his new costume i mean it is literally beauty and the beast happening before our eyes like (laughs) they learn from that because every time we see thor do a costume change in the later movies it's one lightning bolt and that's that and even like in avengers endgame they play it up a little bit but he it's cooler but it is what we have, and that's not even the final fight. No. So, Thor has become worthy. He's gotten the hammer back. Heimdall breaks out of the ice. Thor and the warriors, well, the warriors are not there on the bridge. Thor pieces out. They are. They are taking um, Heimdall to the oh. medic. Yes, the infirmary. Yeah. Yes, the Asgardian ICU. Uh yeah so but then so loki has got his plot to you know make his dad proud yep lure his enemy there almost gets his mom killed who we presume he's still cool with his mom you would you would think so and like i'm just saying it's not a good look she gets like thrown in like they could have easily killed her and loki couldn't have stopped it nope All bets were off. It was all about him in that moment. Yeah, so he betrays the Frost Giants in his big His dad. His other daddy. Yep. Kills his dad to impress his other dad. Yeah. And then has his master stroke, which is to use the bridge, I guess, to destroy. Which they did um, check off gun that earlier. Yes. So. Fortunately, our boy arrives in the nick of time to stop the evil scheme. Your boy, you mean Thor. Yes, your boy. Um, 
I, every time I watch this movie, I forget that they destroy the rainbow bridge because it doesn't matter. I never forget <laughs> because I find it devastating. Loki is like, if you do this, you will never see Jane again. And I was like, this is not true. He's very invested in their relationship. He brings up Jane multiple times. Yeah, I mean, he's like, I'll go kill Jane. Not cool, man. He didn't say kill. It was the implication. Yeah, because of the implication. Uh, yeah, so that was the, the big sacrifice move from Thor, which obviously worked. So, good thinking. Yeah, I forget, though, like, they just fixed the bridge. Like, what, what do they end up doing? I actually did see a post on Reddit that in Thor 2, you can see that there's, like, a big crack in it, but they do fix it. That's what I thought, yeah. What do they build a rainbow bridge out of? <laughs> like, why is there still a crack? They just... Got more rainbow and just glued it on. I don't know. As I mean, Guardians structural engineering. I feel like they had to like put it, start it somewhere. Like, yeah. Just fix those cracks. Yeah. From a hammer. <laughs> uh, but I, I did enjoy that moment of ingenuity. And then Odin uh, wakes up and has his cup of coffee just in time to rescue his boys who are about to plummet to their certain death. Although, so, doesn't Thor have his hammer like he would have been fine? Yes. He does have his hammer. But the thing is, we don't see Thor fly in this movie. He says, I'll fly out. But he never does. I know, but like, yeah. he says he can. Yeah. Suspicious. What? No, we do see him. He goes like up. He brings the guy with him. Yeah, but he's doing like his tornado thing. Yeah. In the other movies, he's just kind of like flying. He just no, doesn't go, we see him yoink. do the... Yeah, I feel like we saw him do it. The vroom vroom. Vroom vroom? Oh, well. I don't know, but I think he would have been fine. I do think so, too. But for that, for the purposes of that moment, he could have fallen into space. And we know that Loki's fine. And, like, so they already knew they were going to bring Loki back. Yes. I mean, this came out a year before Avengers. I know, but I thought you were saying, like, they didn't know what Loki was going to be. Which no, I, I was, know they've... No, I was saying that they made him like this. They were doing Loki the way that they did in this movie on purpose because they needed him oh, to be a solid villain for Avengers. And then after that, they could start to play with him a little bit. I gotcha. But they couldn't make him too sympathetic. Right. Otherwise, yeah. He was already, like... It was already enough for Thor to be, like, he's my brother in Avengers. I mean, I remember how bad he is, like, especially in Avengers, but... It, the, watching this movie again just kind of really emphasized to me like their relationship and how it really just didn't feel warranted. And I guess that would have been too easy to be like, yeah, Thor was kind of like a shitty older brother, or I guess they're not supposed to be old, like shitty brother, but he's like not. And I think that makes it. I think harder. it makes it a bit more interesting. Yeah, I think because it's, on it's purpose. like it, this is just Loki's prerogative, right? It's exactly. not like out of like, yeah, like familial like resentment or anything but it's it just, is like kind of but, but it's it also one-sided like, yeah but it just like is that's just how he is yeah i think those are all my notes yeah that just about covers it for me too uh we get a little sweet moment with thor and odin at the end uh and that yeah like you said thor is like i'm not ready to be king yet so good mature moment for him and then leaders like i never want to become king which can't can't blame him i guess doesn't seem all that great, especially after Asgard is gone. I mean, that's we're not a whole there other yet. can of worms, but still. Uh, 
And then we have our little post credit scene. What? Just kidding. Wait, what? More movies have post credit scenes? Hold on. I gotta go watch them all. Um, this was like... Setting up Avengers. Yes. Yeah, pretty direct Avengers setup. And what I thought was interesting when we were watching this was... I mean, as far as Marvel post credit scenes go... You know, if you had to rank them, this one would probably not rank very high. I mean, it's it has, like, a bit of intrigue to it, but it's not one that people remember because there wasn't, like, too much did, shock in it besides Loki being there. Did Iron Man 2 say Iron Man will return in Avengers? I don't remember. Because I, I, I don't, think this is the first time they say right. Avengers in the pre-post-credit, yeah. but... Avengers, you know, maybe it still wasn't a sure thing in 2010. I'm sure it was. But, yeah, I think you might be right. Well, what I was going to say was... But, yeah, this is kind of... Because no one knows what that Tesseract thing is. Yeah, they don't know what the implication is yet. Nick Fury's line in this, history tells us one thing, legend another, and every now and then we find something that is has, has a little bit of both. They used that line when they were, like, introducing or announcing Infinity War, which I thought was really cool. Uh there was like a whole Marvel presentation where they announced all the movies for phase three, which oh, was like Captain America Civil War on not it wasn't said in a movie, it was said in like the press. Yeah, well, or like yeah, yeah, yeah. It Marvel was, announced it yes, using that one. Yeah, they they were like announcing all the movies. They left out the dates for what was originally Infinity War, parts one and two. And they like they did like a whole video thing like showing all the Infinity Stones in the MCU. And I've like watched that a couple of times because it's super hype and everyone's freaking out. It's really fun to watch. But I'm always like, where does that like come from? I was like, I always thought it was from Avengers. So this is a reminder. A classic Thor line. Yeah. <laughs> from <laughs> the everyone's favorite characters, Nick Fury and Eric Selvig in some basement. Um, poor Eric. Get out of there. It's all downhill from here. It it's only one really movie until he's running is. around naked at Stonehenge. Ugh, poor guy. Um, great. So we can talk. Well, we have our things. Should we just do our our usual things first? Yeah. So, what would be your favorite scene? Um, I'm surprising myself by saying this, but I did already talk about it. But I think when they're fighting the ice giants frost giants um and like loki's there and they're all like doing well until they're not um even though like i hate that they're there and like thor is being the fucking worst everyone else is being really cool though and so i like that part um i don't know if it's like really overall my favorite scene but watching it through this time i really appreciated that scene and then just in general i love all of him like just being in New Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> the, the comedy is top notch. A little bit of a dark horse here. The scene where Thor and Odin are arguing about him going after the frost giants. And we get that moment where Thor is like, as king, and Odin's like, but you're not king! Like, oh, yeah. That's so Anthony good. Hopkins' like, delivery. Yeah, he's so forceful. I love his cadence but you're not like yeah what you just it's just he has such a way of that and yeah it's so good that one sticks with me so that's anthony hopkins what a great like the drama stuff 
like the Asgardian drama stuff is like just inherently a little corny, but like Anthony Hopkins brings like what I get for real... them. Like I know it's like Marvel or whatever, but, still... but like especially because it's like Marvel, it's like you have this um, like Oscar winning, like very serious actor in your like little comic book movie, even I though obviously it's... it's not little, but. It... I'm looking it up just because I'm curious, but I gotta say, I think Kenneth Branagh must have had something to do yeah, with this. Yeah, because they're, like, theater buddies. Yeah. Like, because Kenneth Branagh did all these Shakespeare adaptations back in the 90s, like... Yeah. No one else at Marvel would have had those connections. I mean, I think it, it, he's perfect for it, so it's, like, awesome. And he comes back for, like, multiple movies. Um, and, I mean, Anthony Hopkins has got, unfortunately, like bad flack because he won over Chadwick uh, recently at the Oscars and it's clearly not Anthony Hopkins ball and I think he had a very lovely thing to say about it after yeah but I was like man uh has done many roles and is just awesome <laughs> uh he also was not interested in coming back for any more Thor movies until Taika Waititi was announced as director of Ragnarok. So Thor The Dark World really, like, that almost just killed the Thor franchise. I mean, I think we know. I think so, we get why. Thank you. Did, thank you, Taika. Did Kenneth do Thor 2? No. Some rando did? Yeah, it was originally supposed to be Patty Josh Jenkins. Sweeto. No, it was supposed to be Patty Jenkins, who did Wonder Woman. And I then know. she left the project for some reason and the guy that they got to do it couldn't tell you anything about him and never will because he's never gonna work again he also directed terminator genesis Hmm. okay um if you were a character this one's a good one to pick from because there's a lot yeah there's a lot going on a lot of people so if we had to be one character in this movie... And I think it's important that we say, like, you don't get their baggage. You're just getting their powers. Uh, like, you're not taking on their... You're not becoming them. Give me Loki. Yeah. Give me Loki. I don't need to be super strong or have lightning powers. But I would like Loki's powers for good. I kind of want to... Well, I, I don't know if I'm... I want to be Heimdall. So or you like just, his, so his you just see everything? Yeah, and he, and he can go places. Little or he's peeper. like in charge of like going places. He is in charge of going places. Yeah, no. I'm not going to be a creep. I just feel like he's I take cool. a lot of restraint. He was creeping on Loki. He's like, I was trying to watch you, man. <laughs> You're not letting me. He's protecting the realm. I mean, I was honestly going to just say Odin, but I feel like that was like such a cop-out. Yeah. Now, Thor's the cop-out. Um, Odin has all of Thor's powers and then some. Fine, screw it. I'm saying Odin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Take that. That's what you really want. Yeah, no, he's got it all. All right, let's do a couple head-to-heads. Uh, I'm just kind of thinking these off the top of my head. <laughs> Top of my head to head. Is that is that what, what the laughter is about? What do you got? The destroyer because, you know, it's the destroyer versus one of the droids from Iron Man 2. 
<laughs> just one? I was going to say a, a weird one was not the Hulk, but the abomination from the Incredible Hulk, Emil Blonsky. Oh. Who's winning? You love that character. I think it's a very fun one to throw I in. I think the abomination. I mean, those beams seem like they could do some damage. I guess a Hulk-like being could probably tank one, but... Just crush it. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's not very fast. That would be its downfall. And it has to, like, kind of power up. And that thing could move around like an Iron Man suit, though. Okay, how it about the Destroyer and... The um, robot from The Incredibles, a throwback to a previous film we watched. Which version? The last version. The the Prime, I don't remember what it's called, something bot. I kind of think the smart robot's winning. I think so too. Destroyer could probably blow a couple of its like arms off, but that thing was too, you know, it was learning. As it was fighting, the destroyer is just a brute force cannon on legs for some reason. Yeah, sorry, destroyer. You got your ass handed to you by Thor, and you're going to get your ass handed to you by pretty much anybody else. How about a... Let's do Loki and somebody. All right. See, this is a tough one to consider because, like we talked about in this episode, Loki is not, like, seen doing hand-to-hand fighting. So his expertise lies elsewhere. But we did. So, we did. Well, we do a bit. But I'm trying to think of someone that would be a fair match. Doctor not necessarily... Strange. Yes. Uh, so Loki and Doctor, Doctor Strange has gotten a leg up on Loki once. He dropped him into a hole and kept him falling for half oh, an hour. Yeah. But Loki did not have. You know, it was a it was a sucker punch. It was a sucker magic from Doctor Strange. If they were. And I'm giving Loki, like, full use of, like, the staff or whatever he wants. Whatever, like, tool he so wants So he's got use. he's got the staff and the Mind Stone. Doctor Strange has the Time Stone and all of his magic that he has, like, in Infinity War and stuff. That is a fair fight. I still think Doctor Strange is winning, but I think it would be really fun to watch again. I mean... Yeah, if, hey, Marvel, if you ever, like, I don't know, have a movie and you're like, we have a couple extra million dollars left in the effects budget, just have those two duke it out. And, like, their personalities are a good um, matchup for that kind of fight. Yeah, I mean, we we don't see both of them, like, at full combat potential in the same movie. Or full sass. Right. Like, Doctor Strange has drastically increased in power from his own movie to Infinity War. And I don't think we ever really get to see Loki working at full potential. He's just doing like bits and pieces there. But I feel like if he was, if he wanted to show off and really do some damage, there would be a lot of clones of both of them just all over the room. That's the only way I could see that going. And I feel like if Loki had enough practice, he could shield himself from Dr. Strange so Dr. Strange couldn't see like what he was going to do in the future. Yeah. If he can do that... Boop. If he could do that against Heimdall, I think he could do it against Dr. Strange. But I still do agree that Dr. Strange would be... would prevail eventually. Yeah. Just through 
sheer will. Put himself in a time loop again. Because honestly, Loki's most likely going to win if he can manipulate somebody. Yes. Yeah. Which he knows that's where his strength lies. So. Yep. Leverage of some sort. But in a one-on-one fight, it's kind of hard. I mean, he, he held his own with some of those strengths. Oh, I think he would hold his own. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. All right. Well, we are on to maybe the best film of the MCU. We'll see. Oh, my God. Captain America. The first Avenger. Yes, we are almost at the end of phase one already. And how perfect that he comes after Thor and we know what happens with the hammer. So true. Only the purest. I just, one final note. Now that I just said that, I feel like it's an insult to put... Captain America's good person purity next to Thor. Like, Thor and him are, like, the same level of good person. Yeah, I don't know. We'll talk about it. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense when you put it side by side like that. But if you think it does, let us know. Uh, Yeah, so we... Once we get through Captain America, which we love... And I know, you know, some people have complicated feelings on it. And they're wrong. And I do think uh, the years have been very kind to that movie. I mean, I loved it when it came out. But some people were expecting more, I guess, knowing that Avengers was on the horizon. But it's so good. Well, I'm not going to address that here and now, but... For next episode. Um, yeah. Send us your thoughts. Yeah. Once again, uh, send us your thoughts, comments, hit us up with a review, preferably five stars, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, uh, Into the Superverse, or some variation on that. And until next time, we've been Into the Superverse. We're out of the Superverse. For now. For now.